0: Time for the Believe in Ole Miss Podcast with your host Brad Logan, your home for Ole Miss sports. To be a part of the show, email the show at brad.logan at loganmedianetwork.com or shoot him a DM on Twitter at Brad Logan. C-O-T-E. Download the show on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, or wherever you get your podcasts. Please subscribe, rate, and leave a review online. And now, from the vault to the Pavilion, to Swayze Field. It's all Ole Miss, all
1: the time. Here's your host, Brad Logan. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Believe It Ole Miss Podcast, a part of the Believe Network. Today, we'll have Nathan King, who covers the Auburn Tigers for 247 Sports. That's part of the Auburn Undercover family. He is at Nathan King 247. We'll get the latest on what's going on down on the Plains as Ole Miss gets ready to face the Auburn Tigers at 6 p.m. inside Jordan-Hare Stadium. We expect it to be a very raucous environment, and uh, Ole Miss an opportunity to to get another win under its belt and to have a chance to play in Atlanta to represent the SEC Western Division for one last time in the SEC's history. But there's a lot that has to happen, but – it can't happen unless you beat Auburn on the road, and it won't be easy. Ole Miss goes in as a favorite for the first time uh, in quite some time, I think 2015, and uh, have not been favored very much at all inside Jordan-Hare Stadium for good reason. Auburn plays much better at home than they do on the road. The Tigers lost last week to uh, LSU in very convincing fashion. Ole Miss was off. They had a bye week, and uh, if you know, I think everybody's looking to see if Jordan Watkins plays. Uh, We talked with Lane Kiffin earlier this week. We'll hear from Lane Kiffin in just a moment. And he did not say that Jordan Watkins was playing, but he definitely did not say he wasn't playing. So the good news, you get Jordan Watkins possibly. Uh, Trey Harris appears to be good to go. Maybe this is a game Zakarian Franklin comes out. Maybe this is a game to where Caden Lee or or Braylon Brown, Aiden Williams. I think this is just me. But but judging by the injury that we think is to Jordan Watkins' hand, I mean, I would think he's limited. And if he is limited, then who's going to be the person that takes up the slack? I think I'm more interested to see how Ole Miss runs the football. I think if Ole Miss comes out and establishes the run early, they're going to be in great shape. I really do. If Auburn comes out and forces Ole Miss to throw it around and Ole Miss makes some some turnovers in the first quarter, buckle up. It may be a long night. But I really think Ole Miss is going to come out and solidify the line of scrimmage. Uh, play well, take the crowd out of the game. I expect Ole Miss to win this game, and I think Ole Miss will cover. But there may be some dicey situations in the first half. But this team is just different. It's different than the years past of when Ole Miss has good teams and they go on the road. And that's one thing that that Lane Kiffin does is, is I think David Johnson on the Red and Blue Crew podcast said it best. This team plays to the identity of its head coach. And Lane Kiffin has no fear when it comes to road games like this. I'm excited about the game. Uh, look, Excited to hear from Nathan King. Nathan does a great job covering Auburn. And uh, we'll get to the bottom of what we can expect to see Saturday night on the Plains. Today's podcast is brought to you by Bet Bet BetOnline, where the game starts. Be sure and use that promo code Believe. that's B-L-E-A-V, to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your very first deposit. BetOnline, where the game starts. Debbie Johnson, our real estate agent here on the Believe It Ole Miss podcast. You can contact her today, 662-689-0090. Or call the office at 662-234-5555. Debbie does a great job. She's our real estate agent here on the Believe in Omen's podcast and the Logan Media Network. Also grateful for our sponsorship with the Rogue down in Jackson. You can shop online or you can shop in person. They've got everything that you could possibly need for game day. Uh, If you're looking for a special night out, if you're looking for a wedding, if you've got some family situations, you have some pictures coming up, everybody's doing fall pictures, Go by and see Luke and the crew at the Rogue. They can hook you up. If you need that quarter zip or that perfect polo, go by. They've got the rep script just like you like at the Rogue in Jackson. Also, College Corner Store located with the store you're going to be interested in in Oxford. You can get that perfect game day polo, the game day hat. They've got toboggans gloves. They've got stuff for your wife, the stuff for your husband. They've got kids Cheerleader outfits, Uh, David Johnson just bought one of those just the other day. College Corner Store, located on Sisk Avenue, right past the Wendy's on the left in the Oxford Commons Shopping Center. We'll get to Nathan King in just a moment. Here's Ole Miss head coach Lane Kiffin uh, talking to the media this week. And after that, we'll take a timeout, come back here from Nathan King and also here from Auburn head coach Hugh Freeze. You get all of it right here on the Believe It, Ole Miss podcast, a part of the Believe Network. Thank you once again for subscribing to the the channel. And every time you subscribe, it pops a new episode up. And uh, we're very grateful for our sponsors. We're grateful, most importantly, for you, the listener. You've helped grow this podcast beyond measure over the last couple of years. And we could not be more grateful for what you guys have done. The grassroots effort has been terrific. And we're so grateful to have you as a listener. And now here's Ole Miss head coach, Lane Kiffin.
2: Alright, good to get uh, back out on the field today. Um, guys had a lot of energy and I think they're really excited for this uh, matchup. Very challenging place to go play and team to play um, that we we struggled with early here and um, had a chance to win or ended up winning last year. So, um, new challenge to go try to win on the road there. Um, I think we've as a program, won once there in 20 years, so um, be exciting to have this opportunity and go in there and play a complete game, uh, which we'll need to win. These guys got good players, really good coaching, and um, this year, like a lot of years, they're you know a very different team at home. So don't start taking into account last week and um, how that score was and what that means for this week. That won't mean anything. I'll be the one to ask, any uh, status on Jordan uh, and his progress or status moving forward? Yeah, um, we anticipate him playing, and um, so that's all I got for you. We do anticipate him playing. Coach, what's kind of your relationship um, with Hugh Freeze like? Um, I mean, I haven't been around him that that much. few times over the years. My brother, when he coached here and, um, you know, really appreciate how he treated my brother. And, um, you know, had nothing but good interactions a few times with him and SEC media days. And so, um, and obviously we played him uh, at Liberty when they played here. So that's about it. What were the, the points of emphasis over the bye week for you guys? Um, tackle better on defense. Um, working on pass defense in the back end and keeping the ball in front of us, limited explosive plays on offense um, to run game and being consistent with that and third downs. Did it help seeing what um, LSU did to Auburn this weekend kind of help see what you do with that defense at Auburn? <clears throat> I don't look at it the way LSU does that to everybody. So, um, like I said, after we played them, um, that's got to be, I think I said at the time, maybe them in Washington, um, the best offensive personnel in the country and hardest to defend. So um, they pretty much score and move the ball on everybody. So I think Auburn plays really good on defense. Um, they're really well um, coached and play really hard. And and a lot of people are struggling with the ball against them. What kind of profile did you see in – John Anthony um, in the portal this off season that led led you to think he could help you and how has he kind of compared to that what you've seen so far this season? Yeah, he has really um, good size speed ratio and movement skills of you know what top players have. Um, so sometimes some of these guys we just try to fit in and maybe they're really good players but they don't really um, size speed ratio maybe um, look like NFL guys. Uh, he does so. And I think he's got good leadership skills, and, and it's made it some good plays for us. Obviously, you
1: and Hugh Freeze entering the SEC within a couple of years of each other, kind of at the end of the 2000s, beginning of the 2010s, and then going back to the SEC for a second stint within a couple of years within a couple of years of each other as well. I guess, kind of, I know you can't speak directly for Hugh Freeze, but how much tougher is
2: it to come back to the SEC, kind of in just this era of college football? Uh, I don't know that it's tougher. Um, I think the SEC's been tough for a while. I think actually, I can't speak for him, but when I came in, um, I mean, it was it was really tough. I mean, you had, I mean, that year you're playing Urban Meyer, Nick Saban, Steve Spurrier, um, you know, so I, I think for me at least, both times has been really tough and really great players and, and coaches that you play against. How are you viewing the
0: SEC right now if you look at the landscape? Seems like to me there's some parity there, but um, what do you do? You agree with that statement?
2: I do. Um, I don't have the exact answers to why. I think that, and I don't watch all the games, and um, <clears throat> but the scores um, seem like that. That there's a lot of parity and, and upsets, and um, you know, so or even the marquee teams you know, seem to some teams that you wouldn't think at least hang around with them longer than they used to. So I'm not really sure why that is. People will say it's portal and, you know, I'm sure if you ask them, Alabama Georgia, you know, they'd say, well, it's because they lose, you know, players in the portal, especially some second team guys in depth. But I don't know that you can make that argument because they also go add great players, too, um, when spots that they need help at. So I'm not really sure... Why that is? My guess would be, that's um, not coaching. It's not just, you know, for the, the portal. Um, I would think a lot of times that's you need to look at quarterbacks and quarterback play, and um, I think being able to watch some games and and like see the Pac-12 this weekend, um, you know, when people say about the Pac-12 being the best conference. Um, you know, and how has that happened when it's kind of been down for a while? We'll look at quarterbacks, look at quarterback play. That's um, why that argument to me comes up. Lane, you mentioned Auburn being a, a different team at home. What what makes that the case in your mind? I, I don't know that answer. I mean, the analytics support it, certainly. Um, you can see our record there. Um, you know, we, we like breaking records and doing things. So someone said, we win this game. It's the first back-to-back wins against Auburn in 71 years. So that's a pretty exciting thing to be able to do. I just think that place, um, haven't played it here, haven't played it at Alabama. Um, just sometimes has kind of some magical things happen in it. Uh, that they're always sold out. Fans seem to be in it all the game from, you know, from the beginning on, and they seem to play better there, especially at night. If you look at the stats over years.
3: Coach, looking at their defense, they seem to be doing very well against the run. Turnover margin for them because of their defense has been in in their favor. What do you see in in their scheme, or is it just good players?
2: No, I think that they coach really well. They don't do a ton of things. Um, They do them really well. Uh, Their defensive coordinator was at Baylor when we played them and did a great job against us then. Um, So I think that it's – kind of more to the simple, effective schemes, meaning not do as much, but do it really well and coach it really hard and and play physical and tackle well. And they have really good players, too, that, you know, are left there. Auburn seems to play both Ashford and Thorne at quarterback. Pretty often. Is it more difficult to prepare for two quarterbacks? It is what it is. Um, Quarterbacks um, are a little bit different, but um, Thorne moves around a lot better than I think people initially probably thought. In this, you know, the one was the passer, one was the runner. So um, I think that he's thrown the ball really well this year and done some really good things. And they've just missed some things, whether guys weren't making the plays or not on some deeper balls. Um, you know, they just haven't hit those plays. But I think Thorn's done a great job. Obviously, Prescorn's dealing with some pretty big things back home. I'm just curious, is he back here at the facility? And do you anticipate him playing on Saturday? Yeah, he's here. No play. Um, You know, like I said before, that's a very tough situation for anybody um, to go through, let alone in the season. And um, he has some other personal things going on, too. So I just really commend him for uh, really what a man he is and how he's handled all of it and um, fought through it. And this was not new information, he's known this for a while which obviously makes it even more difficult to deal with um, with his father's condition. So um, he's really a stud. Kind of on the same vein with Jordan
1: Watkins, but just going into the back half of the season, is there one particular receiver who maybe
2: hasn't played as big of a role in the first six games really kind of, you know, you anticipate really kind of breaking out just in the latter half of the season? Uh, I don't, I can't predict that. Um, you know, um, I would certainly like to see that happen. Um, now, they haven't gotten a lot of chances, but, you know, Sakari Franklin and, and Braylon Brown and Aiden Williams, um, you know, all had goodbye weeks and, you know, really like to see see us give them more opportunities and they, they see seize those, those opportunities when they happen.
1: but online where the game starts. Today's show is brought to you in part by Realtor Debbie Aldison Johnson. If you're looking for a spot in the Oxford area or quite frankly anywhere in Mississippi that is your go-to. Remember real estate industry since 2003 looking for that special ag property maybe a recreational property, maybe a commercial real estate property or a new home. Uh, Debbie does a great job and can be your real estate agent today. Just contact her directly at 662-234-5555. Of course, that's a member of the Kessinger real estate family. real estate.com and Debbie has been with them for quite a few years. If you need to get her directly, just dial her cell phone at 662-689-0090 Remember, your go-to for real estate, whether it be commercial, farm, or maybe you need that home Maybe you need that second home in Oxford you're looking, maybe to relocate to Oxford Part of the real estate family, the Kessinger real estate family Debbie Johnson, your realtor 662-234-5555 Or call her cell phone at 662-689-0090 Debbie Johnson and a proud sponsor here on the Believe in Omis podcast. Hi, this is Brad Logan. The Grove Collective's mission is to support, elevate, and protect the well-being of all our student-athletes through a wide range of NIL opportunities and initiatives at Ole Miss. The collective was established to deliver a best-in-class NIL experience that is worthy of the student-athletes who give their all for Ole Miss. This consolidated and sustainable model provides premium access and experiences between our members, corporate partners, and our athletes. To support all Ole Miss athletes and their NIL platforms, visit thegrovecollective.com. That's the grovecollective.com join our team become a member today if you're looking for the perfect game day outfit for the grove look no further than the rogue in jackson live in oxford no problem go to the rogue.com and shop the collegiate section and there you'll find horn legend peter millar the best selection of rebel game day clothing celebrating 56 years of business and a sponsor of the grove collective when you're in jackson Go by the Rogue 4450 I-55 North in the capital city. An extensive collection of sports coats, suits, shirts from brands like Peter Millar, Tom Beckby, Brax, Jack Victor, Mark Digman, and others. And when you stop by the store in Jackson, that's where you'll see the best selection of Rebel game day clothing. That's the Rogue 4450 I-55 North in Jackson. Go by and tell them that you heard about it on the Believe It On his podcast. Welcome in. Nathan King covers the Auburn Tigers for Auburn Undercover. That's an affiliate of 24-7 Sports. He joins us today. Nathan, thanks for joining us to preview this Auburn Ole Miss game.
2: Yeah, no
4: problem, Brad. I, I've, As I'm sure you have because of all the storylines here, this is one I've had circled since the offseason. I, I thought this was a good opportunity for Auburn to try to come home and get a win. Of course, I didn't expect these kinds of offensive issues, but uh, regardless, this should be an awesome atmosphere. Charged up game for a lot of reasons. I'm really looking forward to it.
1: With the 6 o'clock kickoff, Ole Miss has been practicing with a lot of crowd noise. I think it's going to be a pretty wild environment. Are you anticipating a pretty raucous crowd for this one on Saturday night? Definitely.
4: I And, again, it goes back to, I think – and, like, Lane Kiffin didn't do anything wrong. All he did was be involved in a coaching search, but people are still going to dislike him because that's. I feel like that's just how things go with Kiffin sometimes. And so that's obviously part of it. As much as Hugh Freeze will try to – uh We'll try to downplay it, and I think he probably will have his emotions in check. Like you said, he's already been to Oxford since leaving, but this is no doubt an emotional spot for him. But then, yeah, you look at the spot that Auburn is in. Their backs are against the wall, per se. I mean, nobody really expected them to win any of those first three SEC games. I don't know if anybody has a tougher three-game slate in the SEC than they did right there, but now you're 0-3 in the league. You're thinking, okay, come home in a night game. And have an opportunity against a team you've had a lot of success against inside Jordan-Hare Stadium when that game is played here. They've had a lot of success against Ole Miss. I definitely think so. I definitely think this, you know, it's not Georgia or Alabama. But besides those two teams, this is probably going to be one of the more, uh, you know, emotionally charged and uh, and hyped up home games for Auburn of the past few years. Because the Georgia game certainly was, and, uh, and Auburn definitely fed off of that.
1: Yeah, the numbers are staggering how well Auburn plays against Ole Miss inside Jordan-Hare Stadium. I don't need to go over those. I know your board and ours knows how dominating Auburn has been over the years. Looking at Auburn's schedule, and, and I perused the boards a little bit, but I haven't gotten a lot of this feedback, and I'm, I'm going to ask you this. This feels like, and, and I kind of got this by listening to Hughes' press conference after covering for so many years, this feels like a game in which if Auburn can get this game and get get to 1-3 and three in the conference, there's some very gettable teams on the back half of that schedule. Yeah, a uh,
4: one of the most talented players on their team and a, and a young guy who is really, really mature. Keldrick Falk is a true freshman um, at defensive end. He said it this week. He said, look, we think every game from here on out is winnable. Now, he's not saying those three games before weren't winnable, but I think the smallest point spread of those three games was nine and a half against Texas A&M. And so, I mean, the, you're not exactly in a spot um, where you were expected to go out there and win. Now you were supposed to execute better against LSU, and that's the big concern: is there's losing, and then there's losing by thirty, and your offense looking terrible. And so, yeah, I mean, again, that is why this was such a um, this was such a possible swing game for them. Going back to the off season, circling this and saying, "Look, you should beat Mississippi State at home. That's who they've got next week. You should beat Vanderbilt on the road. I mean, Vanderbilt, I think you know, isn't isn't very strong." This season, they have another non-conference game as well against New Mexico State. That's three wins if you win those three games. And so this game feels like an opportunity. Now, that's not a given based on how Auburn's played. You're winning at Vanderbilt is not a given if Auburn plays like it did a couple times this season. But you win those games, you're back to a bowl. And I know that's not long-term expectations for Auburn, but that is where you need to be. You probably do need to go to a bowl game this season. This game, like you mentioned, this one is the one where if you get it, if you beat a top 15 team at home, you really feel like the schedule sets up nicely, like you mentioned, to maybe gather some of that momentum. Whereas in their past few games, I mean, I know a win probably would have done better for them in any of those three spots. But it would have been difficult to carry any of that momentum just because the the, the competition and where they were playing those games um, was so difficult. The competition's is not as difficult. Your SEC games after this are Mississippi State, Vanderbilt, Arkansas, and then uh, obviously Alabama on the, you know at, at home. At the end of the season is difficult, but you always play well against Alabama in Jordan Hare Stadium. So, yeah, this is one of those games that I think if they win, they have a good opportunity to sort of build on for the rest of the season.
1: Yeah, and I was going to add for the people listening, if they're wondering well, what is that schedule, you just kind of nailed it. It's Mississippi State uh, the following week, Vanderbilt at Vanderbilt at Arkansas hosting New Mexico State, and then hosting Alabama. I think that's. Very winnable games. And the Iron Bowl is very similar to the Egg Bowl. It doesn't matter how good or bad the other team is. Anything can happen for that that game on any given night. So uh, let, let's talk about this this Auburn team that Ole Miss is going to be facing. I think everybody's kind of looking at the quarterback. You've got Robbie Ashford. He's had some pretty good success running the football. Uh, Peyton Thorne has been the uh, the quarterback that's that's kind of thrown it around. What are you expecting to see offensively at the quarterback position on Saturday?
4: Yeah, whether it's warranted or not, um, and it always ends up this way, Peyton Thorne has, has kind of been the whipping boy for Auburn fans so far this season. Now, I will say, you don't, you don't become last place in the SEC and QBR and last place in yards per attempt by accident. It's not like he's had a good season. He's had a bad year. But it is very systemic with this RPO system. There's a lot of other stuff that's not working. Right now, Um, they don't really have any playmakers at receiver. They they have one guy, Jay Fair, their second leading receiver. Shane Hooks, the guy who was committed to Ole Miss, he has the worst reception rate in the SEC among starters. Your third leading receiver is Javarius Johnson. He's missed the last two games. He has five catches on the entire season. So you do not have much receiving talent. You do not have much receiving production. That being said, it it was a discouraging game against LSU, just because you are also coming out of the bye week. You really felt like that offense should have been in a much better spot, and that really is, I look at, you know, holistically kind of taking the 10,000-foot view of this season. The passing game against LSU is really the only issue I've had with this team the entire year. Yeah, I wasn't expecting them to to light the world on fire against Texas A&M, and they've had some other struggles, but really most of those things have been expected. The only thing I did not expect was for them to go into Baton Rouge against a defense that struggled and just be almost completely unable to throw the ball. All that being said, Ole Miss fans should definitely expect to see both quarterbacks. I would be shocked if Peyton Thorne is not the starter in this game. You said this week I'm not going to make any earth shattering personnel changes. He I would I would really doubt they're going to pull the plug on him right now this season, but you are going to continue to see a, an increased role for Robbie Ashford. It is no longer just the red zone guy who can run the ball really well, who becomes a you know running threat down there near the goal line. Now he's excellent at that. You know, he does a really good job of that. But it is now a little bit more of he's getting the ball between the 20s, and he's getting an opportunity to operate the offense. And I think because of last week's result, you might see that a little bit more. I wouldn't be surprised if third drive of the game, Robbie Ashford goes out there, and he gets the entire drive to, to run the offense because it's sort of been increasing and increasing over the past couple games where they've struggled like this. And, I mean, if he gets it, go, he's just a little bit more of a gamer. Ole Miss fans saw that last season. Um, You know, Peyton Thorne is sort of restricted by the offense. If if the passing game isn't working, there's not much else he can do. Ole Miss fans saw in when they faced them in Oxford last year, Ashford is a little bit better. Things break down. If the offense isn't clicking, he's kind of able to just make some things happen. I wouldn't be surprised if he gets some momentum going in the, in this game, early on this game, if they don't try to ride him out the rest of the way.
1: Are you surprised that – I'm a little surprised at this. Hunt Jar, Hunter, a Mississippi product, number one, and if I remember who said this, I'd give them credit. Is Jarquez Hunter the only player remaining from his particular signing class on the roster right now? oh uh, yeah, that is correct. Someone from Auburn <laughs> said that, and and I thought that can't be true. That's
4: true. <laughs> yep. And That's he, just hard. And, and was, that class was only two years ago.
1: That's really hard to to to, to fathom that Brian Harson just completely quit recruiting. Or, or do you ever uh, yeah. do you ever start?
4: um yeah i was about to say for us in the building here or for us here it's not incredibly difficult to fathom because unfortunately for auburn we kind of saw him <laughs> we saw what they were doing every single day and the thing about jarquez is look i'm not trying to take away credit from brian Horson um but i mean that's a cadillac guy like that's you, you know cadillac williams is cadillac williams and you know his players commit to him and he's obviously been such a great position coach for auburn for some time and so i mean i I know he was part of that Harson class, but I, I think regardless of who the head coach would have been, he would have committed to Cadillac Williams. So, yeah, that that's sort of a microcosm, not even micro. I think that is sort of a big, um, you know, reflection of why Brian Harson failed at Auburn is the fact that that 21 classes, uh, not only did they not bring in a ton of good players, but that's uh, it's been completely blown up at this point.
1: And this was a question I posed to our board, and uh, no one got it right. But I said, who is the leading rusher right now for the Auburn Tigers? And everyone yep. said either Jarquez Hunter or Robbie Ashford. That's not, none of that's true. It's Peyton Thorne. I would yep. have never got that had I not looked up the uh, the record books. Only 225 on the ground. That's for the year. The, yep. the, these stats are just unbelievable to me. I mean, uh, you look at Peyton Thorne, the leading passer, four interceptions and four passing touchdowns is all he's got. And uh, two of those yep. went to Jay Fair. On the ground, let's talk about this real quick. On the ground, it's been hunter but my goodness they uh freeze has played five or six running backs it seems like is it just he's kind of feeling his way and jarquess hunter is the guy to kind of get him through this year i don't know
4: i don't know if that's the case um you know that they, they had a guy Damari alston who is a sophomore he's the highest excuse me Jeremiah cobb is the highest rated recruit at running back for them he's a true freshman yeah. but um alston was also a really good recruit suffered a shoulder injury against a&m it is my it is my personal opinion, he is the best running back on this roster. Um, he said he was absolutely explosive. You know, Jake Thornton, obviously that, I, that everybody over there knows, yeah. Um, said he reminded him in the preseason of Quinshawn Judkins because he was breaking all these big runs. That's what you don't have from Auburn right now. Because it because Austin's hurt. I'm not saying it would be fixed if he was if he was healthy, but they don't have much explosion. Now, I will say the passing game statistics. Are pretty are pretty on the you know are pretty are pretty clear. They, 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 they show the struggles. The running game, you know, as you know, sometimes when the offense is just completely convoluted um, and you're not necessarily in your game plan, you're not necessarily in your rhythm, that can affect every part of the offense. That can affect the running game too. So I will say, I think the stats don't show that when Auburn is running things effectively, when they feel like they're in a good flow as an offense they're pretty good. Up until that uh, up until this game, their running backs were averaging 5.8 yards per carry against power 5 opponents. That was in three power 5 games. That includes when they ran for 219 on Georgia. So they they've had a good bit of success this year. It's just been, look, if you can't convert a third and long by passing the ball, your running backs are going to be in a difficult spot because people just you know LSU they they dared Auburn to throw the ball and they couldn't. And that was a bad LSU defense that was able to just key in on the run. Um yeah, Jarquest Hunter I I just don't know if he's the best running back in this offense right now. Brian Battee is a USF transfer. I don't know if he hasn't been the most consistent guy. And then I mentioned Jeremiah Cobb, who's a guy everybody was after as a recruit, former top 150 recruit. Every time he gets the ball in his hands, it it looks good. It's a good-looking play. He's a really good-looking runner. So Jarquez Hunter, he was kind of set back by missing time in the preseason, then he missed the first game. I don't know how much that's affecting it as much as, Look, he's not Tank Bigsby. He's he's been a good player for them the past couple of years, but he is not the bruising lead back that Tank Bigsby was. I think it really is a by committee approach for them right now. I don't think the stats tell the whole story. I'm not saying it's an explosive rushing offense. Um, but I do think they're a little bit better than the stats would indicate. But obviously they would love to get those running backs a little bit a little bit more yards and you don't want your quarterback, especially a guy like Peyton Thorne, who he's a good runner, but you, you don't want him to be your leading rusher,
1: right? Yeah, I mean I'll- these num the way they jumped out to me because it was after I watched the tape on the Georgia game the other night, and I was like, "Well, let me go back and kind of dig a little bit because I've got some interviews coming up." And I look back and I see the numbers uh, overall for the season. I thought, "Is this for one game or just?" And then it's no, this is for the season. I was just, I was just really blown away by that. When they, when Auburn goes to the air, you talked about Jay Fair. And and I think you said Shane Hooks maybe hasn't had a great year. What about Jair Shorter, Amari Kelly, uh, Javarius Johnson? Any of those guys? You think you know? So Johnson's a senior. Uh, anybody like that that might could step up for this team?
4: Yeah, I mean you just named guys who who don't play. Yeah, the, they just they they don't have, they haven't no guys have not stepped up at receiver. Now I will say again, it's tough to you don't pinpoint one thing right now and say. Wow, the receivers really are the reason this offense is bad. No, it's it's all it's all obviously a melting pot of issues. If you're looking for guys to step up at receiver, there are a couple names that definitely um, jump off the page, and they you sort of saw that a little bit against LSU. Camden Brown um, is a sophomore, sort of a big physical, six foot four, two hundred pound kind of outside receiver. He was a guy that was has been injured pretty much his entire career at Auburn for a couple of years. He was injured all preseason. He's healthy now, and we were all kind of wondering out of the bye week, like, okay, is he going to get some playing time? Because he's a good-looking player, had a couple catches, played more than he did all season against LSU. Caleb Burton is a former five-star recruit. He transferred from Ohio State. Also a guy that just looks really good and seems to have a lot of talent at that position. He played more than he has all season against LSU. And so those are a couple guys. You're looking at names at receiver. The two CBs, Caleb Burton and Camden Brown, are guys that may be Ole Miss fans. Should be aware of. Javarius Johnson, I think, is a really explosive player. It's just injuries for him, man. I mean, like, he's had a hamstring this season. He's missed the past two games with an elbow injury. Like I said, he's the third-leading receiver on this team. That's not including Rivaldo Fairweather, 13, the tight end. He is their second-leading pass catcher on the team. I'm just talking wide receivers. Fairweather's going to get his. He's a guy Ole Miss has to key in on. Um, But, yeah, they've just it's really just not worked out well for them. At receiver, they went into the portal and got four guys. This off season, and, and they just haven't seen much of that come to pass in terms of uh, in terms of production and in terms of success. And again, it's it it all it's all sort of a melting pot of issues. If they had a much more efficient passing game, maybe you'd see guys like Hooks start to break out. Maybe you'd see a guy like Jair Shorter be able to play more because he'd be able to go outside and make plays. But they just, other than a few here and there, most of them from Jay Fair during games, there's just not been much explosion at all, and and, and very little production from these wide
1: receivers. I just really believe we're going to get the Auburn team that played against Georgia on Saturday. I don't think it's going to be the team that played against LSU for a number of reasons. I think just, you know, the whole Hugh Freeze thing, the whole, you know, I think if players are thinking about if we can get Ole Miss, then we can win the rest of them. If they're thinking that type of mindset, I think we're going to get an an Auburn team that's going to come out and try to solidify the run. If they do that, uh, over 200 yards against Georgia, you've already, already pointed that out. What about that offensive front? Who played well in that Georgia game? There's a lot of seniors, but I know a lot of those guys have transferred in.
4: Yeah, they felt like they actually pushed Georgia around a little bit um, along the defensive line. I know Georgia had injuries, um, and they, they still have injuries on there. Not only the D-line, they've got injuries all across the roster, of course, but um, you know, it, it, you, it came to pass with the stats. I mean, 219 rushing yards against Georgia is always what you want to do. Um, that right side of the line is sort of under the microscope Cam Stutz is a fifth year senior. Um, he's a guy who's definitely paid his dues. He's definitely not a bad player, but he has had his struggles. He was a guy who really struggled when they played Texas AM. I mean, they just blew up that side of the line. And then a, a, a change at right tackle might happen this week. Um, a Xavier Miller, too tall Miller. Ole Miss fans will, will remember him. I believe he was committed. I believe he was committed to Thornton. He was. Um, at Ole Miss. And he was a guy that Thornton was so excited um, to come here. He was like, I've been. I've wanted this guy to be an SEC tackle for two years now, I've been kind of you know, thinking about it. He still could be that player, and obviously he has been. He's been their starter at right tackle. He still could be that player in the long term, but I think the results for him have not been very efficient. So far, he's a little bit mistake-prone. Um, he's just not very technically sound. Yeah, looks the part. He looks like an NFL offensive tackle, um, but, I mean, it's just not been very technically sound for him this season. They brought a guy in, Jaden Muskrat. He, uh, he's a Tulsa transfer. He's a veteran. He's a fourth-year guy has played tons of different positions along the O-line. He played about half the snaps there at right tackle against LSU, and so you're thinking. And then I forget what language Hugh Freeze missed yes, said yesterday at the teleconference, but it really made me sort of read between the lines and say, okay, Muskrat's probably going to start at right tackle. I mean, other than that, it's not been, I would say, good, not great is how their O-line has been this season. I, I, I thought against LSU they were fine. Um, they're, just, they're trying to hold up against some of the better defensive fronts In the SEC, I think they will be okay against Ole Miss. That has really not been, other than Texas A&M, which has. I mean, do they have the second best defensive front in the SEC? I mean, they're they're obviously very very talented up there. Other than that game, Auburn hasn't been overwhelmed in terms of its defensive front. They've run the ball really well a lot too. I don't think they've been overwhelmed in run defense. You know, in terms of you know teams trying to stop their run blocking, I don't think that's been a problem all season. So the O line has not been. It's, it's different. It's a different feeling in the past few years, because, you know, this Auburn offensive line has had so many problems for three or four years on end, going all the way back to Gus Malzahn. It doesn't feel like that is the problem child right now. It's not perfect, um, and it's not where they want it to be. And Hugh Freeze would be the first one to admit that. Um, but I, I think they'll hold up just fine against Ole Miss, against teams that don't have like three NFL defensive linemen. They've been pretty solid this season.
1: One player that just jumps off the screen in all the games that I've watched, even the last week he gets LSU, is Eugene Asante. 47 tackles this year. He's already got five tackles for loss. He's got three sacks. Is he a bit of a surprise for you and how well he's played along with Larry Nixon the third?
4: Yep. He's a huge surprise. If you had asked us in May to to share an outlook for the linebacking core, I'm not even sure if I would have mentioned Eugene Asante. Um, if you want more material for, and I. Auburn fans are probably t- well. Maybe they're not tired of it because they do it a lot. Piling on Brian Harson. Um, this guy was on scout team last year.
3: Mm. So
4: then, right now, he's your leading tackler. Would he be like second team All SEC right now? I think he might
1: easily, um, maybe first team. I mean, I mean, he's he's got double the tackles of anybody else on the squad. I mean, he he yeah. he's all over the field. And he's
4: and you're and you know the the stats and you're right. The stats don't even tell the whole story. He is he is such a gravitational player for this defense. Um, and we ran into a scout that uh, you know, I don't know how well, you know, Jason Caldwell probably, but you know, he, he kind of knows everybody. And so somehow he knew this New York Jets scout because of course, and uh, he, the guy, the guy was showing us his list of players for Auburn and A&M that he was looking at. And he didn't have nine on defense. And we were like, all right, you got like, you got to make sure you have that guy. And it almost makes sense. You know, the guy hadn't done anything last year that was a game where he had a ton of tackles. That was the game where he had the fumble return for a touchdown. Yeah. And so he's just, I mean, he's been all over the place. You mentioned Larry Nixon at linebacker. Um, that's That's been a really bright thing for them um, because they're missing Austin Keys, the, the Ole Miss transfer. We've got a bunch of connections on this roster at Ole Miss. Um, they're missing Keys, who you know is a solid player at middle linebacker. He's not going to light the world on fire. I don't think Auburn was expecting him to. Um, but he's been out the past, let's see, five games with a thumb injury. Nixon has stepped in pretty nicely. Those are two of your better players on defense. Yeah, Asante makes this whole thing go. Um, He he is so important to what they do right now. I would say Asante at linebacker and then Jalen Simpson, who's a a midseason All-American by the Associated Press. Those are your two most gravitational players on this defense right now. They've played well every single game, regardless of – I mean, they played well against LSU and Auburn gave up 48 points. So if they're not playing well, you've got a lot of problems. It's been a better defense than I thought it would be. Again, that's tough to say when you gave up forty-eight points. Like it's difficult to, I don't know. I, I sort of tend to agree with Kiffin. Everybody, I mean, Ole Miss thinks they have a good defense this year, and, and I think they do. And, and LSU threw it all over the yard on them, and so it's 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 tough to really use that as a uh, as a measuring stick. I think it's an Auburn defense that will come home in Jordan in a night game. I think they'll play pretty solid against
1: Ole Miss. And I haven't looked up the stats, but a redshirt freshman kicker, Alex Alex McPherson, has he had a pretty good year?
4: Yeah, he's been great. Um, I do not believe he's missed a kick um this season and he had a fifty-three yarder um a couple games ago. And so he was the number Auburn's used to this at this point. Uh he's the number he was the number one kicking recruit in his class. And so it's it's his older brother is Evan McPherson who kicks for the That was Eagles. my so question it's, for it's, you. That was my yeah. next question. Yeah, so he's got a ton of you know, the NFL lineage for Auburn, a kicker has been going for about a decade now. Um they're not very worried about when they trot out there for field goals.
1: Auburn seventeen and three at home against Ole Miss. Uh, lead the all time series thirty five to twelve, but the key the key call out right now is seventeen to three. And I know history doesn't play a huge part into this, but but the numbers are there for a reason. Uh, Auburn plays plays really good at home, but I think if you look at it, you look at talent right now. I don't know that Hugh Freeze has the talent. To compete on a national level right now, but with the, judging by the recruiting class, I know you stay close to recruiting just like we do. Uh, the classes coming in are going to be phenomenal for Hugh Freeze. Right now, though, how does Auburn win this game on Saturday? How does Auburn, if we meet on Saturday on Sunday morning, what did Auburn do to win the game?
4: Yeah, well, I mean you have to. I feel like you have to hold Ole Miss to thirty-one points, which is still seems like a lot. Um, but you cannot have this be another game where they're able to move the ball up and down the field like LSU did. I think Auburn is going to be charged up on defense in a home game. Um, And then Jackson Dart hasn't played as well away from home um, as he has in Oxford. And so trying to take advantage of that, I, I think so much of it though comes back to the offense and I, and I hate to harp on quarterback over and over again, but if they can't throw the ball, then they are not going to be able to score enough to keep up with Ole Miss like Auburn, Aubrey can hold Ole Miss to 31 points. I think that would be a a decent day at the office. But if you can't go out there and score 34 points, you're not going to be able to win the game. And so I just I wonder about this team's ability to mend all of these issues suddenly over the course of a week. Against Georgia, the reason they were in it for four quarters is because they forced a couple turnovers. They scored touchdowns off of both those turnovers. One of them was at midfield. One of them was at Georgia's 32-yard line. They did not have any sustained touchdown drives. Those were their only touchdowns of that game. Does that need to be the case against Ole Miss? Probably not, because you can probably move it a little bit better against Ole Miss's defense. It's still a talented group that's been really good this season. But I do think they probably need a a turnover. You need to win the turnover battle um, to win this game, and that's the case for most games. Peyton Thorne and this passing offense just has to be more efficient. If they are having a similar – I mean, if he completes 53% of his passes – and is 0 for 5 passing on third down, which is which is you know what happened against LSU. I they they're not gonna win this game. You cannot let Ole Miss um you know dictate the possessions. You cannot let Ole Miss move up and down the field against a defense that's tired and has to come on the field super often. And so, you know, I think the defense will they can, they kind of got blitzed against LSU. I mean, they're down seventy to nothing in the first quarter. Um, and I I don't know how much the offense had to do with that. I don't see that happening in Jordan Hare. I don't see them I don't see Ole Miss just exploding in the first quarter. I do think Ole Miss will be able to move the ball and score some points. And so, I mean, so much of it comes back to the offense. I, I, I So much of it comes back to Peyton Thorne's ability and this, this receiving core's ability and really the overall offensive scheme to be able to efficiently move the ball. I just think if they don't have that in this game, they're not going to be able to score the you know requisite 30 points that you need to beat Ole Miss these days.
1: Yeah, I just feel like when <clears throat> Hugh Freeze accepted the position at Auburn, his next thought was, How can I beat Ole Miss? Uh, And I have no doubt that he's had this game circle for quite a while. And I will say this. Out of all the coaches that have roamed the sidelines at Ole Miss, I don't know that anybody had a bigger big game type uh, preparation than uh, Hugh Freeze did. I'm not saying that this Ole Miss game is, quote, unquote, a big game. For Auburn, but I do think it's a big game for Hugh Freeze, and I think he'll have the guys ready to rock and roll, and I think it's going to be a fun game down on the plains. He's Nathan King, does a great job covering the Auburn Tigers for Auburn Undercover. That's of course part of the two four seven Sports family. Nathan, thanks for joining us today. Look forward to seeing you in Auburn in a couple days.
4: Yes, sir. Looking forward to it. I appreciate it.
1: And thanks to Nathan King for joining us here on the Believe in Them is podcast, a part of the Believe Network. Ole Miss and Auburn set to face off at 6 p.m. this Saturday night inside of Jordan-Hare Stadium down on the Plains. And now here's former Ole Miss head coach Hugh Freeze and now Auburn head coach Hugh Freeze on the big matchup against Ole Miss.
3: Obviously, um, we'd like to put Saturday night behind us as fast as possible. It was, a, it was really a dominating performance by LSU in all facets. I mean, they, uh, they were more physical they um played harder, which is embarrassing and hurtful to say um, and you know there's there's one thing for for a team to have more more talent but um I didn't think we uh, showed up with the the right energy and drive and competitive spirit and that's that's uh that lies in my lap and um that's disappointing and so it's uh, i mean it was uh I could go through all the truths of the game, but it was really a, a dominating performance. I think they're a very good football team. I think they've improved defensively in the last two weeks. Uh, offensively, they're they're one of the better ones that uh, that I've seen and faced. And quarterbacks playing at a extremely high level. So give them a lot of credit. And um, we've got a lot to learn from that game. Certainly, no time to. Uh, to hang our heads or or feel sorry for ourselves because we got uh, um, another team that's very much like them coming in. I think this is the uh, third straight week that we'll be facing the top three offenses in the conference in uh, Georgia, LSU, and Ole Miss, and um, it's, uh, it's going to be a tremendous challenge. I'm thankful that we're at home in Jordan Hare. We need uh, it to be at a, at at its all time best, and I know it will be and uh, we'll get uh, we'll get ready and excited to play in this in this challenge and but a uh, really good football team coming in
0: hey Hugh, I watched this one on tv I, I wasn't there um it seemed like in the third and fourth quarter when things were getting away from you you looked almost like heartbroken like crestfallen and I expected you <laughs> to be angry and pissed off and you were like sad almost yeah. is that an accurate representation of what you were thinking at the time
3: uh, oh yeah heck yeah To make you sad when you're you're, you're uh, not competing like you hoped you would it's uh um i don't know if uh anger is the right response that uh our kids need right now they need some hard truths that i'll give them today as soon as i we'll meet with them i miss meeting on sundays i really wish we 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 did that but um, can't wait to see them today and, and give them the truth of the game and the truth from what I saw and the truth I've already given the coaches and myself. And, um, you know, it's disappointing for sure not to compete any better than we did. I don't, I don't, I mean, I wasn't heartbroken. Uh, I understand this game. I understand where we are in our program. I understand it's it's, it's going to take some time to build it. But, you know, if you expect me to to, you know, I certainly wasn't happy, uh so whether you call it sad, angry or or whatever, I was definitely not happy um and you know you certainly look at yourself first, I do, and you want to uh i don't I don't know I just want to get it fixed and get us to 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 be uh competitive like Auburn should be, and I know that there's you know in this conference things start going against you, particularly on the road. Um, there's some teams that can put it on you pretty good and that's what happened.
1: I don't know if it was last year or the year before, but you went to Ole Miss at Liberty. Uh, how much does that help with the emotions going into this game after your time at Ole Miss
3: and already playing them? Yeah, that's, that's a great question. I think, uh, uh, I think that it actually helps a lot. Jill and I uh, actually talked about that, um, because, you know, that, that removes the, um, hey, this is your first time, you know, playing Ole Miss, you know, since your departure from there. And um, so I think it's very helpful. Um, that was an emotional day originally, but I was truthfully overwhelmed by, you know, I, I have a lot of friends there and a lot of people that that I think um appreciate the good things that we did and certainly um wish that some things were different at the ending just like I do but um i think time i mean it's we're what 7 8 years now rem- removed from you know my seasons there so i think most people have uh, i don't know i've got a lot of friends there and and, and the, but the trip back there absolutely helps Um, With with it now, this is not something that's new. Uh,
0: Coach, projecting forward, last year, this team was at a crossroads, somewhat midseason, and they generated a lot of excitement to get up for the Texas A&M game, and they won it. What's your message to the team internally this year about what you're playing for the rest of the season? How
3: do you get them up for Ole Miss? Well, um, I mean... In building a program, you you sure, certainly hope you don't have to revisit that all the time. Just because you know you're going to lose some games in this conference, and it's only going to get harder. I think you're we're approaching the NFC AFC version somehow, some way, and you know you don't want to have to every time you lose a game you have to well what are we going to do to finish the year? You know we, we're playing to to win a game at Jordan Hare Saturday night, and hear the truths of how we can improve to win it and you know, we should play for each other and we should serve each other and we should love each other enough to play. And that's, uh, I think, a greater challenge in today's times than, than ever before, truthfully. I think we're all dealing with it. I, I talked with two coaches this morning in this conference that are friends of mine. That I think we all are dealing with some of the same things. And um, it's uh, coaching is, is becoming a, a harder challenge at this level and it's one that we've got to... Uh, embrace and continue to lead well and hopefully we have enough players that lead well enough that uh, man we see another opportunity to represent each other in our university and and uh, another step toward hopefully getting better as a program and uh, but how we prepare this week will show on saturday it always does and that'll be the message Uh, yes, you, uh, personnel or scheme-wise, any, any
1: changes uh, you think you can make to improve the offense at all? And i, I also got to follow up on, on Caleb Burton getting his first start. Is he a guy that's been coming on for you?
3: Uh, Caleb, uh, you know, it's, it's great that you honor, that you can honor players sometimes because they really did things the right way. They practiced the right way. They're doing the things that are we say are the standard in, in, in this program and Caleb has done that and it was exciting to see him get his first reps and I expect him to get more um, you know offensively we we've we we've obviously it's well documented, we've struggled to be consistent and we had four possessions in that game to cut it to a one score game. Not saying we would have won the game or or, or or what would have happened, but it certainly would have given us confidence and, and momentum. And we had three before the half and one right out of the half, and we found a way in three of the four um, to to kill the drive. And I say we found a way. That's coaches and players. Um, you know, one of the four. Give LSU total credit for, for that. But um, – those The margin of error, again, for where we are, um, we, we can't do that. I mean, let's just imagine if we get 10 points out of those four drives, you know, it's then, you know, 20 to 17. And we got three points out of those four drives, and it was 20 to 10, and then it kind of snowballed after that. But, um, you know, we'll continue to try every personnel to make sure we're, we're playing the best kids. I think this, the plan was good. Um, awful start. I don't think that helped um, with the first possession uh, going like it did. I thought that you know, we we looked um, like zombies a bit on the sideline after that, and it just uh, it it kind of snowballed. But um, no no real earth shaking personnel changes just to try to get the best plan that our kids understand that they can execute with who we have. You know, it's one thing to walk out there and say, hey, man, I know we can throw a post route. Well, great. All right, who's going to run that post route? And is he going to run it correctly? And is he able athletically to beat this corner if that matchup's there? And who's going to throw it? And are we good enough to do that and win the game? And if we are, we got to figure out exactly who those people are. So we're we're having a lot of discussions that go into certain plays that um, truthfully I haven't had a lot of.
0: Believe in Ole Miss Podcast with your host, Brad Logan. Download the show on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, or wherever you get your podcasts. Please subscribe, rate, and leave a review online. Be sure and check us out on Twitter at Brad Logan, C O T E, and at Believe Podcasts, as well as Facebook Brad Logan Media. From The Vault